Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening on this Thursday or Friday, whenever you're listening to this podcast, ahead of SMU's meeting with Texas State in Gerald J. Ford Stadium as they look to go 3-0 for the first time since 1984. Look, uh, we're going to cover mainly subscriber questions, Q&A, on this week's podcast, Uh, talk a little bit about... um, you know, uh, some recruiting stuff uh, as we get going here. Uh, But for the most part, uh, it's going to be some subscriber questions. uh, And uh, obviously, we'll kind of preview a little bit of Texas State as well. Um, But look, I I think as uh, we jump in here on on the recruiting front, uh, we're going to open with that because the first question from one of our Pony Stampede subscribers was really, really good. Who's the next commitment for SMU? Now, this one is is kind of a tricky one because normally recruiting slows down at the beginning of, uh, of a football season and, and, and kind of these, these guys start to get back to playing games and, and, and not focusing as much on it, not taking as many visits as they certainly were in the summer. Um, and, I, and I think we've, we've kind of seen that uh, for, for guys. I mean, SMU's visitor list in the 2020 class wasn't incredible um, for the first game, but um, we'll see how they, um, you know, kind of, I, I guess call it rebound in the 2020 class, I guess, uh, for Texas state, which I think, I think they're going to push for a lot of, you know, recruits to be on campus with the, um, you know, chance to go three and zero for the first time since 1984. It's a night game on Saturday. Um, a, a few recruits that I know that won't be on campus that it does kind of hurt, uh, Savion bird, uh, for Duncanville reached out. Uh, to Rashad Samples and said, would love to be there. Obviously, uh, can't um, with, with Duncanville's game at 6 on, on Saturday night. So um, that that's kind of a bummer for sure because I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. So um, as far as uh, – and, and we'll have the full visitor list for you guys on PonyStampede.com uh, on Friday as that gets finalized and we, we start to hear some more names and things like that. But um, one one prospect that – I do want to highlight as far as who could commit next is Preston Stone, the 2021 four-star quarterback. I, I think that um, as this season goes along, um, we could see him him make a decision if he likes what he sees. And and I mean, how can you not through two games? If if you're Preston Stone and the Stone family, and you're looking at at SMU and saying, okay, we feel like this is a spot for us. After two games with Shane Bouchelle at the helm, you've got um, a really, really successful offense that is honestly a couple, you know, drops away from from averaging probably around fifty points a game. I mean, that's you know, again against two bowl teams from last year, and so uh, I, I think I think Preston Stone will be next. I, I just have this feeling. I don't know when exactly, um, but I could see him being the next recruit to, to commit. I mean, J- Jalen Milrose committed to Texas. Texas is pretty much off the table for him uh, now with that quarterback in the class. And, and I feel like he's he's been between SMU and Texas for a long time. If by middle of October or late November, you know, as the season winds down, uh, maybe. Um, but, but I mean, for the most part, I, I just think if he's been this high on SMU and he was back on campus for um, SMU's home opener, I mean, why, why not just go ahead and make the decision and, and start recruiting and start having an impact on the 2020 class as well? 
Um, as far as the 2020 class, I'm interested to see kind of how, how things go because we've talked about them taking a patient approach. We've highlighted that um, certainly on our board as saying, hey, guys, like here are uh, what, what, their, what, what their plan is. And Sonny Dykes has gone on record saying We're, we are taking it slow. We are evaluating players as they get into their senior years. Um, one name that, that could potentially be somebody that comes off the board at some point is, is Dimitri Jordan, the Tyler Junior College offensive guard. Um, 6'4", 300. He's a top five junior college offensive guard in the country. Uh, I really like his film. They've got him playing on the right side. I think they've got him playing at tackle even uh, over at Tyler. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I like what I've seen from him. Uh, 24-7 has him you know, f- you know, rated fairly well um, as far as junior college players in the composite back setup as well. Um, so um, I think that could be one to watch as SMU looks to, again, just continue to add to that haul um, of, of defensive uh, – or, excuse me, of offensive linemen uh, that they've got committed. I, another one, um, I think, on the defensive side of the ball could be Devin Drew, the junior college defensive tackle that they had officially visit over the summer. That would be one that I that I would be watching for. Um, he, he had a really good visit. His film's really good. He's productive. Uh, and he's just kind of continuing to grow into his body. So th- those are two junior college names that I can just see, you know, coming off the board. I mean, they they normally will take things a little bit slow and and take it into December. But I know Dimitri Jordan's really high on SMU. Um, I know Devin Drew really liked his visit, so maybe he he tries to get on board, save a spot. Um, but those are the two uh, guys that they they would sign in 2020 that I could that I could see. Um, them uh you know going after and 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 pressing to get on board you know one interesting thing is i really i just kind of scrolled through uh the offer list for smu in in 2020 and there's really if you look at the offer list and this kind of backs up again the patient approach is there really isn't that many um prospects out there uh, in in like that aren't committed elsewhere or whatever um there's like two or three per position. So they have their guys that they're looking at, like defensive tackle, Sawyer Gorman, Welch, Devin Drew. They've got a couple of way early offers from back, um, maybe even under Chad Morris, um, uh, guys that, that are still in there. But we're starting to see less and less of that as, as we're you know more and more remo- removed from Chad's time at SMU. Um, and then there are guys that they had offered early on uh, that they're out on now, like Kyrie Miller they're not going to take, Lee Kay. Uh, Asenuga, uh, the offensive, you know, the center from Fort Bend Bush. I mean, guys like that. But in terms of like targets, there's one or two per position here and there that are still out there, still on the board. Thad Johnson, Loic Funji uh, are out there. Um, all of their tight end offers are committed. So they are watching those first four game uh, films uh, and, and really kind of watching those guys and seeing how they perform. Running back is another one Jabray Young, Isaiah Jacobs. Uh, Isaac Johnson, those are ones that they're they're continuing to monitor um, and 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 looking at that are that are still out there. Um, and so anyway, they're taking a patient approach. I really like it, but uh, that's kind of my take a little bit on on um, you know who could be next, right? The the the, uh, the question that was asked on the board. So um, as far as last week's um, recruiting visitors I I thought they really impressed the 2021 class the new indoor is such a game changer that's one thing that I came away from 
uh, talking with, with, with recruits and, and talking with some sources as well as it's just so easy now to say, okay, here we have, come enjoy the boulevard and then check in at, at this you know, beautiful new facility with the recruiting lounge and you know, coaches can stop by as they walk into the stadium and, and do all of that. And, and then that just allows them to be in just such a, a beautiful, I mean, let's not, let's not kid ourselves, beautiful environment um, for recruits to be in. And, and then on the field, they had a ton of success last week against North, North Texas. Shane Bouchelle on the offense, uh, James Prochet and Reggie Roberson and Xavier Jones. All of those guys really impressed. Uh, and for the most part, I talked with mainly, you know, uh, offensive prospects. So uh, that was just kind of how it ended up going in terms of getting recruit reactions. But they just were really impressed. And so I think things are starting to take off. I, I You might not see it in terms of commitments right now. And that's, again, people are going to say, oh, recruiting slow. Well, yeah, it's the first couple games of guys high school seasons and they just went through a whole summer of visits and some went to more visits at the end of July and then there was a dead period in August and this is kind of how it goes then it starts to pick back up you start to see more visits happen and guys take that visit and see a game and um, end up saying okay now now I'm ready Um, and it might it it can happen now it can happen um, uh in a, in a couple more in the middle of the season, it, it's just kind of how it goes. I mean, remember like Sawyer Roman Welch is watching those first few games and seeing how, how things go for those, for those guys. I mean, Derek Lewis, the, the linebacker, um, uh, from, from shirts, uh, uh, shirts down in, in, in the San Antonio area is watching, um, uh, guys and, and, and how they perform and, and, and taking some visits in the season. So they're going to try to obviously get him back on, on campus. But, um, and, and one interesting thing is, that as I talked about Sawyer there, I just looked to go see where Illinois kind of stands and they, uh, they're coming off a barely an eight point win over Connecticut. Uh, so that is, um, we'll see how things go there. They play Eastern Michigan this week, so they'll probably get a win. And then they open with Nebraska uh, and then they get they're into the teeth of their Big Ten schedule. That's one team that if they flop, don't be surprised if Sawyer Gorman Welch just goes ahead and 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 jumps on board. Um, he'll take things slow, but uh, he's also one to watch. I would say depending on how things go for the the Fighting Illini up there. Um, as far as why they're taking a slow approach, another this is another good question uh, from Stanks twenty eighteen. It's been discussed at length that we're taking recruiting slow this year. How much of that is wanting to put a good product on the field to draw interest from the top guys and try and get in late, like Danielson, EK? Um, how much is it waiting to see if we can get some more tape on potential low-rated guys like Ulysses Bentley um, and or late breakout guys? Um, so this is a great question. SMU's, SMU's always going to play that late game see where they can land with with some of those high profile guys that they just kind of keep around stay in touch with like Danielson EK that was a little different um just because that was a total connection you had Derek Green who went who was a teammate with them Kevin Kane went to that high school um or had recruited the high school for for years so that was kind of different because he never made it down for a game or did anything like that um as far as as far as some of these guys that they're they're watching, so the running back, 
the running back position is one that they're really watching. They want to see guys continue to produce, continue to look good. So Isaac Johnson, for example, SMU is the only one to offer him. Coming off a 1,000-yard season, they want to see him produce again. Um, the running back at Parish Episcopal, uh, I believe his name is Corian Lynch. I, I don't have his profile in front of me right now, but they want to watch him and see how they pr- he produces. Kendall Taylor down in Houston, they want to see how he produces um, at his new high school. Um, they, they, who knows? Somebody like Isaiah Jacobs, he continues to be uncommitted. Could he end up... Um, you know, uh, coming back around and taking an official visit to, to SMU. He's, he's a really good, talented running back out of Owasu where, where Shake Milton went. Um, that would be one to watch. Can they flip Brandon Thomas once he gets back onto the field and, and they want to see him play? Uh, they're watching a, a bunch of guys. So um, that's more of the thought process there with the running back position. They want to see these guys perform. They want to see them produce and, and kind of see where things go. And... Um, it just kind of it just kind of makes sense for them to to do it that way because they've got to hit on a running back because they lose Xavier Jones they lose Cayman uh, Freeman and and then they're they are going to be left with three running backs that are unproven in, in all likelihood and I think we'll see a lot of Ulysses Bentley this week uh, a lot of um, a lot of uh, Tameric Williams and kind of work him in I don't think I don't think T J McDaniel has has played yet so um, that's one that I think maybe they'll they'll uh, They'll want to get an extended look at in one of his four games as you know potential redshirt candidate and 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 we'll kind of uh, break down and and that's one thing I'll put together um, after this game is okay who played who didn't uh, who is uh, you know trending towards that uh, that depth chart um, that depth chart uh, you know uh, uh, trending towards a redshirt right you know not playing at all. Um, that's one thing we'll kind of look at as we get going, um, for sure. Um, and McDaniel hasn't played in, in any of the games just yet. So you could see him in one of his four games. You could see Xavier, um, uh, Terrence Gibson, uh, in one of his four games this week, you could see Will Brown, but they've got to take care of business. They've got to get up big, um, to allow that to happen. So that, that's one thing to watch this week, who plays, who doesn't. Um, and that'll be a big indication as far as who ends up redshirting. So, and then on the flip side of it, they so they want to monitor guys at running back. They want to monitor corners. That's one thing that they're really, I would say, struggling with. They need corners that can contribute. Same as, same situation last year. And, and this is a lot of college football teams, guys. I mean, you're, you're only going to get so lucky with, with Brandon Stevens types and, um, Armani Johnson's the only corner on the roster right now that looks like out of the last couple classes that he's developing that isn't a junior college guy. Um, Robert Hayes will be gone. Eric Sutton will be gone. Guys that have played a lot of football. So you've got to hit it, hit on corner. One big name would be Corian Bennett. He's wanted by Power 5 schools. He runs a 4-4. He's going to have really good tape um, coming out. So they're monitoring him. They're monitoring other junior college guys. Uh but then they're shooting for the stars a little bit on wide receiver right now because they signed such a great class of wide receiver last cycle. And they've got Raylan Sharp, who's going to get a shot at quarterback, but I think he's going to end up just with the ball in his hands as a slot guy, you know, kind of your future Myron Galliard or Tyler Page type um, uh, type of player, uh, just a ton of speed. And then 
you're shooting for Thad Johnson, Loke Fungi, and then you're keeping Jay Wilkerson right there as well. Um, you're monitoring Cedric Pelham, who's committed to Washington State right now. He's a Dallas kid. Um, that's kind of their plan. They're shooting for the stars. I mean, both Loic and Thad are are just outside of the top 500 in terms of um, in terms of overall prospects um, for for SMU. And and to kind of put it in perspective, uh, Travion Johnson was 514 overall in the country when he committed number 85 wide receiver. Uh, Danielson Ek was 603 on the composite. Kiki Burns 687. So if you add one of those guys, you're looking at a, a really really talented, uh, you know, player or pair of players. They wouldn't turn either one away um, if if that was to to happen. But I, I would say they still have work to do, obviously. But um, they are shooting for the stars at positions like that. Uh, they're shooting for Sawyer Gorman Welch, uh, Gorham Welch. Um, they're shooting for for Derek Lewis still at at, at linebacker uh, safety. They've got one committed after signing three last year. So they, that's kind of how things are breaking down. I mean, they want to uh, they want to sign a tight end. They've got to sign a tight end, um, and then and then we'll kind of see how they go. They're always going to hold spots for best available guys uh, for the most part, though. So um, with that. Uh, I think this is a good time to take a quick break as, uh, as we'll, uh, we'll, um, take a break and, uh, come back with a little bit more of your questions on the team side of things, kind of break down a little bit of Texas state and, and kind of how I see things playing out this weekend. So with that, we'll be right back on the pony stampede podcast right after this. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You might hear us shout you out for it. And also, a quick reminder to subscribe to PonyStampede.com, a part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Look, guys, we, I'll be honest, bringing a ton of great content this week, uh, as always, um, and, and just bringing it to you, whether it's previewing Texas State start to finish throughout the week, uh, reaction from from Sonny Dykes' media availability. Shane Bouchelle spoke with the media, um, breaking down kind of where things stand on injuries or the offensive line. We've got a story coming out today on on kind of the the shuffling there um, for for SMU and um, just a lot of great content. So uh, take a minute, subscribe, and of course uh, we'll always have recruit reactions after the games and things like that. So uh, wanted to leave that quick reminder 
for you guys as well because you can get 30% off an annual subscription as well. So six bucks a month uh, over the course of the year is, is pretty good for a year subscription. So anyway, back to the questions from our Pony Stampede subscribers as uh, we kind of continue to break things down. Uh, Nelson Paul has been getting some quality reps. Do you see him as the most significant true freshman along with Chase Cromartie? I would say so. It's trending that way. Um, because when you look at it, I mean, the offensive line, there hasn't been anyone breakthrough. Ulysses Bentley's the only one of the two running backs that have play, that has played. Kiki Burns has played um, and is now hurt. So I think they're going to be really careful with him. It, it looks like um, we'll see if he can. I don't think he's going to go this weekend. Um, and, and, and I think they're going to hold him out for, for the certain foreseeable future uh Rasheed Rice and Calvin Wiggins they're gonna get their shots this weekend to produce um I would imagine uh, against Texas State but um uh, unless it, it, with just the ta- talent wide receiver that they have right now it's just kind of embarrassed you know embarrassment of riches um if I was asking me I would I would you know kind of hold on to those red shirt games uh for Rice for Wiggins for for Burns um and just hold them until you know late in the season, and then if if they're de- developed at the point where you can throw them out there and, and get a big body out there late in the season against a you know a Navy or a Tulane, maybe that's an additional difference maker out there for you. Uh, so that's kind of how I would play it with them. Uh, tight end uh, didn't you know didn't didn't sign anyone there. Um, it just it looks like yeah. I mean I think that's the case. I, I think it's Nelson Paul and Chase Cromartie. Um, at this point being being the guys that um, are, are going to contribute as, as true freshmen and and I think that's okay I mean I, I would I would love to to see Bentley break through I think he's a difference maker and one that'll uh, certainly uh, you know provide something different with his uh, true I mean truly elite speed um, that's something that really stands out to me about him but yeah it looks like Nelson Paul and Chase Cromartie are going to be the two guys that contribute the most and with Cameron Jones back or why well, I won't say back, but I mean back now in the mix, it'll be interesting to see how they play with Cromartie because he's a really good football player and they love him. Uh, does that mean that they now say, okay, all right, we can get a red shirt out of him, but do we want to? I mean, he's a team's guy. He's a, uh, he's played now on the back end in one game, you know, two games and, We'll just have to see. But, yeah, Nelson Paul is somebody that they're going to just go ahead and, and play. He's been on special teams. Uh, he's he's you know, rushed the pass, passer and, and had success. So those are the two guys that that I, I think are the, the contributors. As far as um, Kedrick James, uh, it is an NCAA suspension, so it did carry over from Bama. Bama announced it as a violation of team rules, and our Bama side had kind of heard that was the case, but it was – it was an NCAA thing, so that's why he's sitting four games. Um, you know, they submitted his waiver, kind of, I guess, officially uh, this week, is what Sonny said. Um, and so they they'll hear back before that those four games are up, though. Um, as far as Kevin Johnson, it sounds like his football career is over. I would say, or at least at SMU, I I mean, last year's injury was just so bad. Um, I. I I see him having a tough time coming back, um, but he could, you know, he could, he could get a six year and, and play. I just don't know kind of how they're going to approach that. Um, as far as um, 
the ESPN FPI, uh, SMU now favored in all but two games, and certainly their 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 shot at beating TCU and their shot at beating Memphis has gone up each game. Uh, are there performance metrics to for the FPI to see how accurate it is? You can probably go back and find the preseason FPI somewhere. I did a quick Google, couldn't find it just yet. Um, but but like next year, we wrote articles about it. So next year, you'll be able to go back and say, okay, all right, you can Google ESPN FP, FPI 2019 SMU preseason and, and see you know where where SMU was rated uh, preseason-wise. I think it was around six wins. So they're on track right now to kind of outperform that. Um, but it, it's a lot of just different metrics, and it changes so often. I mean, there's only so much stock you can put into it, but um, it has SMU trending up, so that's a positive for SMU, I guess. As far as uh, the offensive line, uh, players are being moved around in combinations that are getting switched. What's my take on it? I think the offensive line is going to kind of start to settle this week. This will, I, I, I think they're going to go with the same starting group of Kobe Bryant and and uh, Bo Morris on the right side with with the usual three on on the left with uh, Jalen Thomas and Alana Lee and, and or uh, Hayden Howerton and Alana Lee, um, and I think that that's kind of where they're probably going to end up settling with it. Um, and as that group performs, I think they'll get better. I, I like Kobe Bryant. I like that they moved him inside. He was a pretty good offensive uh, tackle in the junior college ranks, but I think he fits better at offensive guard. Um, and uh, and then you have Bo Morris, who's played a lot for SMU um, on that um, you know on that right side as well and on the left. So um, I think Jalen Thomas has been really good. Uh, he's he's been you know continuing to come along and 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 be be a really good player. And then they're solid with Howerton and, and uh, Ali in the middle. Um, so I I think that's kind of how you see it settling right now is is what you saw last game with Kobe and and Bo on the right side there and I think that's for the best. I like Bo Morris. He had a pretty good pretty good game last week as well as what Sonny Dyke said. Um, and I think Kobe is going to really be strong there at right guard. Um, so this is pretty normal. I mean SMU moved things around last year and tried to get different fits to happen and and work out. So. Um, they're always going to tinker, but for the most part, I see this being the the group that you kind of see settle in and and um, and play together. As um, this is just, I think it's the, their best combo. Um, defensively, uh, teams are are playing more zone coverage against SMU. Um, that's the question. Will will that happen? Um, I think you'll. Maybe you'll see that, but it's with James Prochet and Reggie Roberson, it's pretty tough to not have a man on them and let them find spots in the zone. And as SMU gets more and more comfortable with Shane Bouchelle, that's going to be tougher for them to play, if that makes sense. I, I just, I can see teams saying, okay, we're going to drop eight and kind of play, play zone and make you find the windows and do all those things because the running game hasn't been incredible yet. Um, it showed flat a flash against North Texas, uh, but it, I don't think it's necessarily a proven threat just yet. So I could see them playing a little bit more zone, dropping eight or doing this and that uh, with zone coverage. 
but it's really tough when you don't have a man on 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 James Prochet or Reggie Roberson. I think you're kind of asking for trouble. I think you're asking for them to find spots in the zone uh, and work with Bouchelle and kind of move the ball down the field uh, that way. Um, so um, I would be I would be a little surprised if you saw a ton of zone uh, against SMU kind of play out. Um, but it's a good mix. I mean, I it wouldn't um, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me either. So um, with that, a little bit about Texas State. Uh, Jake Spavital leads them in. He's a former Sunny Dykes assistant um, when he was at at Cal. Um, so this will be uh, kind of a, a you know a matchup of two coaches that really know each other well. They're going to bring the air raid uh, to the. Um, uh, to the uh, to Ford Stadium, uh, Gresh Jensen uh, transferred to Texas State from Fullerton College, uh, and and really he's somebody that you know knows the system well uh, for Texas State, and and so he's been getting the majority of the snaps, um, but he really struggled with interceptions at time in, the, in their first two games. Um, but they played Texas A and M and they played Wyoming. So um, if here's the thing for SMU. Seven turnovers in the first two games for Texas State. SMU has had a turnover, at least one turn, forced one turnover in, I think, something like 13 straight games. So I think SMU is going to eat defensively against this game. I don't, I don't see this one being that competitive. I think SMU is going to get up, you know, 24, you know, 21 points and kind of put, put the cruise control on and let some other guys play. I just don't think Texas State is very talented. Um, and, and I, I think the world of kind of what Jake Spavital is going to do down there. But uh, right now, this year, I just don't see it. I mean, maybe next year being being a little bit more competitive, but uh, I don't see this one being being the game that's really going to um, you know cause any concern uh, for SMU for the most part. So that's kind of just a brief thought there on, on um, Texas State and kind of how things will play out in my mind at least. But um, with that, guys, we're going to wrap up this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the weekend. Enjoy yet another boulevard out there. Um, and, and um, you know, SMU could be 3-0 for the first time since 1984. So big news. If they can get it done, uh, we'll be here with you guys to track it all. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone. And uh, we will catch you next time.